0: We are on. All right. If you're joining us tonight, we're honored to have you with us. And uh, as we always do on our live stream, you'll see Richard is online with you. So uh, say hi, let him know you're there and uh, speak up. And uh, if you got any questions, Richard can get those taken care of for you as we go through our service. If you have any uh specifics again richard can do that if you just want to maybe talk to me directly you can reach me at todd at cfchurchtx.com and i'll get back with you but uh richard can bless you for sure at the bottom right of the uh, page there you'll see a tab that says prayer request or prayer and uh we definitely want to be a blessing in every way we can so if we can be praying for you let us know uh, i always assure you that that's private secure it only goes to one source it's not shared or broadcast so it's a very uh, protected information but let us know how we can pray how we can reach out to you but we're honored to have you with us tonight and a uh, couple of folks to keep in, uh, in mind with prayer mike and vicky my sister they're out she's uh, not doing well and then uh, kim and cheryl cheryl just had uh went in to get a tooth pulled and ended up having to be cut out. So uh, he's not in good spirits. Uh, well, his spirit's fine. He's just not in a happy camper right now. And uh, so keep them in prayer for sure. Uh, who else is sick? I know Linda Lee. Who? Yeah, Lisa Love had her surgery. Uh, she's doing well, recovering as best she can. But uh, t- I've uh, been talking to her. So she uh, just keep her in prayer and for recovery uh brother lloyd obviously uh his health far as the um uh you know sugar level getting low and dehydrated he's recovering from that y'all may have more insight but he did you know break his lower leg his tibia in one of the times that he passed out so any updates or i talked to him today he said he was doing doing well Okay. Oh, okay, nice. Don't think he's back running the marathon yet, but he, uh, knowing Lloyd, it won't take long. He, uh, I talked to him Saturday and said, uh, I, or Friday, I said, I'll be up there Saturday morning to come see you, and uh, he texted me back. He said, have you left yet? He said, no. He said, don't come. I told him, I'm not staying here. I got church Sunday. They're trying to find me crutches. I'm out of here. <laughs> and uh, I said, are you are you sure that's wise i mean do you what are they saying i don't care what they're saying i told them i'm not going to be here i was like all right brother (laughs) yeah so they i guess they put him in a boot and kicked him out the door and said don't come back oh splint cast okay that's easier okay Uh, those that know lloyd i'm surprised they even got him to stay there for an hour at the hospital so uh so anyway, but he's doing better, so that's good. So some folks to keep in prayer. And uh, I think that's it for the most part. So uh, we should have Brad and Peggy back this uh, weekend with us. I believe they get in tomorrow or Friday, something like that. So keep them in uh, prayer for safe travel. So let's pray, and we will uh, jump into Hebrews and and uh, start walking through God's Word tonight. Father, thank you for the opportunity to gather tonight in your name. We thank you for your spirit amongst us and we just lift up these individuals that were mentioned father we know there's others that uh, weren't shared but uh, you're aware of them and uh, we just ask that your will and your way would work in their lives that you bring favor upon them and uh, strengthen them in every way possible be it doctors be it medicine ask that you'd anoint it and direct it according to your will so But tonight, we just ask that you prepare our hearts through your spirit for your word. And uh, just help us, as always, to grow in your grace. And uh, we just pray that every word that's spoken tonight will be anointed through your spirit. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So if we venture uh, venture on here in Hebrews, again, we're just trying to go through this somewhat verse by verse. Uh, uh, Tonight, we're going to jump on to chapter 3. We got on through... Verse 16, last Wednesday, uh, 17 and 18 could have easily and uh, been involved in last week's lesson. And uh, again, by context, it was supportive of what we were talking about in the redemptive work of Christ and how He came through the seed of Abraham and not by way of angels uh, to embody that and to uh, fulfill that. So tonight we're going to jump on, we're going to get into chapter 3, and uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 6. To bring this all into picture here. But before we get there, let me ask you a question. Uh, What comes to your mind when I mention the word house or our house or your house? What comes to mind? Huh? Family? Uh, That's a good one. Family, what else? Dwelling? I I, I can say personally for me, uh, I say money because the last year our house has been expensive. One, we, uh, uh, we had to, we finally got around to, had to have the foundation repaired. Uh, that was uh, like 15 piers to do that, and uh, they don't give away those piers for free. Uh, and they were more proud of them than I was and uh, by what they charged. And so I had to borrow money from Sam to get the foundation repaired. And so I'm indebted to her even more. And uh, we got through with that, then you know, we'd had a few storms, but our, our roof was, overall it was in good shape, uh, no leaks or anything, but uh, we did decide to get the roof repaired. Uh, that, uh, even after the deductible, that's still expensive. So when I thought, you know, thinking about tonight when that word house came to my mind, first thing I thought of was, you know, the bank account being drained you know the expenses but family and and dwelling and and these things are you know they come to mind but let me jump over to 2nd corinthians chapter 4 and i want to approach it a certain way because we're going to see how there's a tie in here and what we're going to see in hebrews chapter 3. so let's look at 2nd corinthians 4 verses 6 through 10 and look what paul says here it says for god whom commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light and knowledge of the glory of God in the face of uh, Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in what? Earthen vessels. That's us. We're the earthen vessels. So we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of who? God. Okay, so now uh, we're these earthen vessels that we know were created by God, and, and put in, you know, to dwell amongst His creation, and He's put us here, if we're living and breathing, He's put us here for a purpose, and that purpose is, this, the, is that the excellency of God can be carried in this earthen vessel. And so when we say, when we've been redeemed, when we say we're not our own, we, I mean, the magnitude of that is, is immeasurable. We are not our own. We've been redeemed, that means we've been purchased, just like a debt was paid. You buy somebody's debt and you purchase, you've redeemed that and you have possession. When God redeemed us, we are these earthen vessels that He redeemed for a reason. And that reason is that we, His creation, can carry about the excellency of God, the glory of God, the power of God can work in us and through us. And of course it says, may be of God, not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. So this message of salvation in Jesus Christ, by way of the gospel, has been entrusted to us by God to frail, fallible human beings. And if you think about this, the most powerful thing in existence is God's Word. And through God's Word, we get the message of eternal life through Jesus Christ and Christ fulfilled. But this message of this, of this gospel truth that God created, that God ordains, that only God has the power to save and raise the spiritually dead, He takes that creation of His own and He places it in His smallest creation, us. And we house within us, these earthen vessels, the most powerful thing in existence. The very thing that gives life to everybody, the light that shines upon man and to reveal the glory of God. Everything about and of the Gospel, God has deposited in us, these minuscule little earthen vessels. So when we say, "Uh, I don't matter. I'm not a pastor, I'm not this, I'm not that, I I, I mean, I'm just, I got saved, I'm nothing. No, if you got saved, you are something, you are in an earthen vessel, and God has deposited intently and purposely in you, in me, in all of His children. So we're this earthen vessel not just to live how we want to, God doesn't care how we live as long as we live as unto the Lord, you know, Colossians three twenty three tells us that you know whatever you do do it heartily as unto the Lord not unto man. So what he wants us to do he needs for us to grasp and understand that look you're my earthen vessel you're the one I'm depositing this power into so you can display and bring forth my glory my excellency. God doesn't send prophets anymore. He does miracles on His time frame, His way. But He's not going around raising people from the dead. What He has said, He says, but what I've given you something even more powerful than all that is the gospel, and I've given it to you to be good stewards of. And so this is what Paul's alluding to. So it's been entrusted to these fallible, frail human beings. Paul's focus, however, was not on the perishable container, but on the priceless cargo. It's within us, the container. This is what Paul's emphasis on. It's not about us, because these containers, will they not perish? Yeah, they're going to die. We go back to the dust of the earth. And that's why the gospel message is so important. Yes, so another soul can come to know Jesus and get to heaven, but it's to carry the gospel message forward. If everybody quit witnessing and these perishable containers die, what happens to the gospel? It dies with us. I mean, we can make that argument. I I can also make the argument I don't think God's ever going to let the gospel die. I mean, the gospel itself will never die. You know there there's we've talked about it brother brad and i've illustrated we've used whiteboards to do it and i may mess up the math but uh, of the you know almost nine billion people in the world today if if i witnessed to stephen this year and he got saved i spent all year just discipling stephen to get him to the point that in his earthing you know earthen vessel now the gospel has grown and he's able to reach out the next year a witness to Richard, and Richard gets saved. Gets saved, and I go on, and I witness to Jennifer the same year. Does that make sense? So it went from me to Steve, uh, Stephen for one year. The next year, it's me, Stephen, Richard, and now Jennifer. Do you know if that happened every year when you led, every one of us just led one person to Christ every year, do you know in 31 years 9 billion people would hear the gospel and get saved? The whole world could be saved in 30 years by everybody reaching one person a year. Do the math. It's like that thing. You save a penny and double it. Turns, or, you know, and There ain't no way. Yeah, you'll be a millionaire before you know it, but you start doubling the number. So that's how powerful the gospel is. That's how important we are. And This is what Paul's referring to, not the perishable container, but the priceless content of this perishable container, this earthen vessel. The scriptures describe us as fragile clay jars that God uses, that Christ Himself, you know, He's the potter, we're the clay. He shapes us into these earthen vessels to put us where He wants to put us when He wants us to be there. So knowing that the power is, the, is, is His and not ours should keep us, obviously, from pride. You think it would, it should. And it should motivate us to keep daily contact with God and the source of that power that dwells within us. So our responsibility is to let people know and see God through us. Now, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 3. With that in mind, when Paul talks about these earthen vessels, now listen to what the author of Hebrews says here. So let's read verses 1 through 6. should be on the screen for us there. It says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ, who was faithful to him that appointed him, God, as also Moses was faithful in all of his what? House. Okay, we're going to see the correlation here. Verse 3, For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Now, this man God created, also was Christ. Inasmuch as he who hath builded the house has more what? Honor than the what? The house itself. that makes sense? you got the house just sitting there. I hire Stephen to, to build my house, which he could build from the ground up. He builds it. Now, here's my house. Which one has more honor, Stephen or the house? Stephen, he's the one that built the house. The house is just a house. The house is only there because of Stephen. Does that make sense? So this is what this is referring to, and that's why He's explaining about Moses. is Moses is the house in context. Moses is just the house. There's one greater than Moses, the one that built the house, that built the earthen vessel. Remember, Jesus is the potter. We're the what? Clay. What's more valuable, the clay pot or the one that shaped and formed the clay pot? Okay, so here we go. As much more honor than the house, verse 4. For every house is builded by some man. But he that built all things is who? Ah, okay, it's God. Verses 5 and 6. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a what? Okay, so was it his house? Well, it was his house. He got to dwell in the house. But what was his role even in his own house? Servant, because is it his house? Whose house is it really? God. God's the creator of everything. So here we go. Yes, I think you're seeing the picture now. For a testimonial of those things, testimony of those things, which were to be what? Ah, spoken after this treasure that Paul's talking about, that God put in these earthen vessels. It's the same thing. It's our comes through by way of our testimony. Here's verse 6. But Christ is a son over his what? Own house. Whose house are we? If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. So here in verses 1 through 6, we get this illustration, this analogy that God paints for us that is great in all that God used Moses to do. And Moses was faithful to his house And and Moses fed his house spiritually, and Moses delivered his house by way of God's Word. All that that Moses did was good and great for God, but Moses in his own house really wasn't his house. He was a servant to the house that God has allowed him to dwell in, even himself. So that means even us. Even us in these earthen vessels, in our, in the own creation that God put our soul into these flesh and bones, within this we are not the owner of our house. If you accepted Christ as your Savior, this is not mine. I dwell within it. It is per se scripturally my house, but I don't own my house, just like in Texas. You don't own your house. Yeah, I do. It's paid for. Well, you're misled. You still don't own your house. Don't pay your taxes and see if it's still your house, okay? So it's kind of the same way, okay? We don't own this. We get to dwell in it, but he that created the house, the builder of the house, is greater than he that dwells in the house. Moses was a servant, faithful servant, but he was a servant to he that built the house that he dwells in. Make a little sense? So we must acknowledge and understand we, God's children, are the house of God. Means that Jesus is this very day, not just back in Moses' day or in, in the days that Jesus walked the earth, but in this very day, He is our maker, our owner, our ruler, our provider. It's all His. Scripture's just said that God has built it all. And He's built us, that's why we're here, because He has fashioned us, formed us, built us, saved us, empowered us, invested the gospel in us, in these earthen vessels, and we, in this house, are servant to the one who actually owns the house, Jesus Christ and God. So in context, God speaks to the scoffers in the, well, I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me compare this even in the Old Testament. So let's go look at Isaiah 28. It talks about the same establishment all the way back in Isaiah, verses 16 and 17. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a what? A foundation of stone. It should jog your memory about Ephesians in the New Testament. For I've laid a foundation of stone, a tried stone, a precious what? Have you ever heard that term cornerstone before? I've laid this precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. So goes on to say, Judgment also will I lie, uh, lay to the line, and righteousness to the plummet. And the hail shall sweep away the refuge of lies, and the waters shall overflow the hidden place. So Isaiah is talking about there's one coming. There's this cornerstone coming that God's going to lay this cornerstone of which this one cornerstone, everything is going to be built upon. Everything. Everything that exists is going to be built eventually and laid upon this cornerstone. So in context here, God speaks to the scoffers and the boasters of Judah, at the time and he promises to send that cornerstone his precious son who will provide the firm foundation for the very salvation that they need now let's go back to Ephesians look at look in the New Testament and pull all this together because this cornerstone is a metaphor uh, this being continued so Paul desires for the Ephesian church and Christians to know Christ better To do so, he shares this with them in Ephesians 2, 19 through 21. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, and of the what? Ah, household of whose? Ah, household of God, not theirs, of God. And are built upon the what? Foundation of the apostles. And what did the apostles speak to? Christ, okay? Okay. And the prophets, Jesus Christ Himself, being the what? There it is, chief cornerstone. In whom all the building, fitly framed to the, together, groweth unto the what? Temple of God. So, we, we have Paul in 2 Corinthians referencing that we are these earthen vessels. We are this, this dwelling, this house in which we reside, to which we're not the owner. And we have a lot of believers and we have a lot of unsaved people that really think that they're all that in a bag of chips. You know, we think we're something special sometimes because maybe we fix our house up a little bit spiritually or our house gets a little bigger spiritually because God's able to get something. And before we know it, we start thinking more about our house than the one who built our house. And so then we see Hebrews 3 that references this house. And Isaiah talks about the cornerstone. Ephesians refers to it. Now let's look at 1 Peter 2, 4. It says, To whom coming is unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of man, but chosen of God and precious. And this all points back, Peter is referring back and quoting the same thing that Isaiah said back in Isaiah chapter 28. So, everybody, you got Paul referencing it. You got the author of Hebrews referencing it. You got Isaiah talking about the coming cornerstone. You got Paul again in Ephesians, the church of Ephesus, pointing to the fact that everything's built upon this cornerstone. And now, even Peter's going all the way back to the Old Testament, referring to the only house that matters. So, it paints a vivid, clear picture. All that we're called to is to be established solely on who Christ is, the cornerstone upon which everything does dwell. So we got Hebrews 3. Now let's look what it says and go back to verse 4 of Hebrews 3. For every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. And he laid that cornerstone of which he was going to build everything upon, did he not? And that's Christ. That's very vivid. Jesus is called the builder of this house, not Moses. Moses had nothing to do with this building. Moses just dwelt in the building that was built for him, just like we do. In our earthen vessels, God created them. We get to dwell in them. In verse 3 of Hebrews, Jesus has been... It says, counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Why? Because he's the builder. Moses is just the house. Jesus gets the glory. Not only in Moses' life, our life, every prophet's life, everything that's ever existed in this life, Jesus gets the glory because he's the builder of it. So, if we boast and hope in Jesus, which we should... We are the very house that Christ is talking about. And Jesus is the builder of that house. Again, thus the owner and the ruler and the provider that everything the house needs. And that's a beautiful promise because what Jesus builds, will He not preserve? Of course He will. Will He not rule over? Will He not provide for? Yeah, all that. He will do it all. He will protect it. He'll preserve it. He'll provide for it. He will not let His house to be destroyed or fall in ruin. How do we know that? Where does the Scripture say? When Jesus talks about what hell can't do. Huh? Yeah, the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. What God establishes in us, in our house, us being these earthen vessels... It doesn't matter what Satan throws towards us. If we stay standing and cemented to the cornerstone, can the gates of hell overpower us? No, can't do it. Because then, now, every scripture we just read is wrong. Because even though God's a builder, if the gates of hell destroy it, is that not a more powerful builder? So it can't. It won't. Where we get in danger is when we step off the cornerstone and we start living or, you know, doing with our house as we want to do with our house. Build our house the way we want to build our house. That's when we get ourselves in trouble. Let's go back and look at verse 5 of Hebrews. And Moses barely was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. Now, watch what happens here. Right after verse 5, the writer changes the imagery from a builder and a house to a son and a servant. Notice that? Talks about the house. He's talking about who he built the house. And then it refers to Moses as a son and a servant. So Christ did become part of the house, part of the household, because he built it. And when he died for it, And we accepted that gift, then God Himself and the third person and nature and the Holy Spirit came and dwelt in His very own house. So you have a roommate. You want to look at it that way. You got a roommate that is dwelling within you, and that roommate is the most powerful thing in existence. Because it's that roommate that dwells within the house with you that rose Christ from the dead. The Holy Spirit. And He's right there in your dwelling with you. 24-7. Protecting what He built. But even so, His honor is far above Moses, it tells us. Again, Moses was the servant. Christ was the builder. So three things. I want to close with this. We are part of His household are we not? What He's built in us physically, He allows us to dwell. Within that dwelling that He built, that He owns, He also co-dwells. Thus we're co-heirs with the Godhead, with Christ. I should say with Christ, not the Godhead. He said, Even as we dwell in our own house, this earthen vessel, the truth is laid out in Hebrews 3, 1 through 6. We are the servants to the house that God created. And that house was created for one reason only. Oh, because God loved me. He needed a Todd in the world. No, that's not. God didn't need a Todd in the world. He didn't need a Steve or Richard. No, what God needed is someone to carry forth the gospel. And he said, if you'll accept my gift that I have for you, and allow me to redeem you and save you you now become my creation my house I'll dwell with you I'm asking you now to be a servant in that house and I'm going to deposit in that house the most powerful thing in existence and it's my gospel and we think we don't matter to God from Fort Knox to your local banks the security <laughs> that goes into the, the 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 temporal revenue this world has. If there's even any gold in Fort Knox, probably not. But from gold to our hard earned dollars, I mean, now technology—it's—I mean, you almost have to give blood in an arm to get your own money out. And yet, God puts the gospel in us. It doesn't need security systems because it's his gospel. He'll protect it. We can't destroy his gospel. We can't ruin the gospel. But yet he empowers us with it in these earthen vessels that we're called to bring forth his excellency of his glory through us. So here's the thing. One, Christ is greater than the house, the vessel itself, us He's a builder of the house. He built the vessel. He's the potter. We're the clay. We're just dwelling in it as long as he wants us to dwell in it. It's his house. Can he not kick us out and bring us home when he's ready? Is it not his house? He built it. He's just letting me live here till he's ready to come home to the next house he's built for me, my mansion in heaven. But he built it all. He built it all. And three, he's the master of the house. Bar none, the builder's greater than the house itself. He just lets me be the servant to it. He gives me the keys to it and calls me to be a good steward of it. Why? Because what I possess in this house, what you possess in your house, is the most powerful and wonderful thing ever created by God. Greater than the house itself. That's what Hebrews 3, 1 through 6 is all about. Amen? Questions about it? Comments? hmm true. No. Yeah, this and old. There's no more death. We never die. Way back then. Better relationship. Yeah. It's all about the builder. The one that built it all, controls it all. Good point. Anybody else? All right. Well, let's pray. We'll get over. If you have any questions online, Richard's still there. Let him know. He'll get them answered for you. Or I said again, reach out to the church. Myself will be happy to get back with you. But like I said, if we can be praying for you, please let us know. And uh, hopefully, if possible, if you're local, we can see you Sunday. But if not, uh, if you're out of the area, then uh, we look forward to seeing you online again Sunday. But let's pray. Father, thank you again for this truth. And what a uh, beautiful picture it paints uh, it's so humbling. And if we look at the fact that we're just getting to dwell in what you allowed us to dwell in, what you built by your creation upon your cornerstone. And that you've entrusted us and you've empowered us to be servants of the most powerful and most beautiful thing in creation, the gospel. And that just dwells within these earthen vessels. And we got to see the magnitude of our importance to you. The beauty we are to you. The purpose we have in you is to carry forth that gospel truth to show forth the excellency of Christ. Were your earthen vessels? Everything was built by you for you, and it was all built upon the cornerstone. Uh, cornerstone you laid in Christ. Help us to take this to heart, apply it, and use it in our lives. Father, we ask that you forgive us where we fail you, and we ask these things in Christ's name. All of God's people said, "Amen." Amen.